Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Paige Murray is here today, and I am so excited to have her. Now, there is like no shortage of places that you may be familiar with Paige from. She is a model. She's a television host. She's been on reality TV. You may have seen her on NASCAR. You, I could go on forever and ever. You probably have one of her cookbooks. You're making her recipes. <laughs> the list goes on and on, truly. Paige also happens to be married to Ty Murray. And if you are anyone who knows anything about the sport of rodeo, you are instantly familiar with Ty's name. And I want to say that Ty was like, he set the bar. He was the first king of the Cowboys. He's just legendary. So Paige, since my introduction has taken up the first 10 minutes of this because yours is so impressive, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be on this with you. You're so well-spoken and intelligent and such a great conversationalist. I know it's going to be so fun. Oh, absolutely. I have been obviously following you on social media for years now, and I just, everything that I get from you about your personality is that you're just so warm and open and genuine And you have a lot of qualities that are really magnetic to people. So it's no surprise that you have lived so much of your life in the spotlight. You were made for it. Thank you so much. I feel the same way about you. I wish I was (laughs) as funny as you, but I really do. I just, I don't know if it's like being raised in a small town or what, but I just feel like I've always just have been very authentic and I am what I am and I I just I don't know a, a different way to be it's just how I was raised and I just sharing my life on social media it just it does feel real just how I live then I feel like really people get to know me and yeah. it's fun to be able to do that I think that really comes across it's like so genuine it doesn't ever feel like you're putting up a front that this is is what your life is it feels honest and happy you seem like an optimistic and really warm person but it also just comes across as who you are not like you're trying to get people to like you by being something other than just what you are so that really you're doing a great job with it it comes across very well thank you I would love to hear a little bit about how you grew up, because I think that you have a little bit different story than a lot of the guests that we've had on before. Yes. So I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, a little town called Lancaster, and it's just a very country town. And I 
and probably grew up a lot different than most people in the, that have been guests on this because like in South Carolina, there's not ranches and there's not like the cowboy culture isn't as big where I feel like we're very country people, but it's a different type of country and lifestyle. And I just grew up loving animals. And my grandmama put me in horseback riding lessons when I was five. So I started riding English and I just loved it. I've always loved animals. I used to like take my school pictures with stuffed cats. It's always been a huge animal lover. And I always wanted, I thought I always wanted to be a veterinarian when I grew up. So my grandmama got me in riding lessons. And then I was an athlete in high school. I played soccer and I swam. I just love sports and competing. And then I went to Clemson University, Calhoun Honors College, and I graduated from college with a degree in animal science and a concentration in equine business. And I did not know what I wanted to do. Like, I thought I wanted to go to vet school, but then that was, who knows, four or six more years of school. And I think the one thing that kept me from pursuing that is I knew I I wanted to be a mom, hopefully one day, and I couldn't imagine going to school that long, spending that much money. And then I knew I wanted to also be a stay-at-home mom one day. For that season of my life, I wanted to be able to devote my time to being a mom. I came back home. I started working as a vet tech to make some money. I lived with my mom and dad again after college, and I loved it because I loved my family. And then I, during college, I had started doing some promotional modeling, so working with Skoll and Copenhagen, and they worked at a lot of like PBRs and things like that. And I tried to rodeo a little bit in college because I loved it. And I I didn't want to write English anymore. I wanted to be a cowgirl. (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. And my family could not afford a horse for me. So I I adopted a $500 off the track thoroughbred, three years old. Did not know what I was doing. Thank goodness he had a gentle soul. But we were never any good. But I loved, I loved trying to compete in some of the smaller rodeos around there. That was my first introduction kind of to the rodeo life. And then after school, I was working as a vet tech. I had started, there's a modeling agency in North Carolina, and I started working with them. And Wrangler was one of their clients. So I started working with Wrangler, doing a lot of their photo shoots and getting more into the Western world. And through through that and working some of the events, I I started dating a, a little bit and dated a cowboy and got introduced to Bull riding was a little bit bigger there. J.B. Mooney and Brian Cantor, Jerome Davis, they're all there in North Carolina. And so I just loved it. I was like, this sport's so cool. I was like, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. But the modeling agency I was with submitted me for Miss Sprint Cup position in NASCAR. And we were brand ambassadors for Sprint. Most people saw us in Victory Lane, similar to the trophy girls that used to be a part of the sport, but a lot more involved. The position had evolved to do a lot more media training and just promoting the sport and the brand. So I got the job. I, was, I could not believe it because I loved watching NASCAR, but I wasn't like a huge fan. I had to read NASCAR for dummies and NASCAR physics. <laughs> I remember the first few weeks on the job, they were like, Paige, we got to light this fire under you that we saw in your interview. But I was so shy and nervous that it was hard to do that public speaking on the stage in front of a huge crowd. So I was thrust into it, but I loved it. And that was such a fun job. Did that with NASCAR. I got to travel the country. And then after that job, I worked as a brand ambassador for a hunting and fishing outfitter in Minnesota. Moved up there. And after I was hired for that, I got cast as a bachelorette, Sweet Home, Alabama for CMT, Country Music Television. And I actually knew the bachelor. I had gone to college with him and did not have any attraction dance. I was like, this is weird. So they cast me on season three as The Bachelor for that show. I did that. 
and I picked a guy that lived in Minnesota, like an hour from where I was working. So that's crazy. And then I moved home after years. I was like, I don't like Minnesota. It's too cold up here. And I miss my family back home. I moved home and a friend of mine from NASCAR, I've learned along the way that a lot of it's not what you know, but who you know and the connections you make. So a friend of mine from NASCAR said, I just got this job opening sent to me for Ride TV in Texas. And I, was, and I said, she said, I think you should apply for it. Like, this would be awesome. I have my concentration is equine business. I wanted to work with horses. And so I applied for the job and got it. Moved out to Texas in October of 2014 to work for Ride TV as a television host and reporter for them. We can get into this later, but two months later, I met Ty at the NFR and we've been together since. And it's all just gone from there. I had a, a cooking show on Ride TV called Southern Fried Skinny Fied. And then I published a cookbook by that same title, self-published. And then I became a mom and now I'm a stay-at-home <laughs> mom and have some other hobbies on the side. So I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like, a jack of all trades, master of none, but I just have so many different things I've done in life, and it's been so fun. Yeah. I, one of the things that I always love about hearing people's stories is that when they reflect and they and they tell you your story, and so it's linear, which is not how we live it at all. I'm sure there was different times you're like, what's next? What am I doing? But when you go back and hear it, it's so easy to see how one thing leads to the other and then gets you to where you are now. And I love hearing that because I think it is this constant reminder to me to trust the process, that we all end up where we're supposed to in the end. Yes, it's so true. And you are right. There were many moments. I moved back in with my mom, probably mom and dad, four or five times, worked as a vet tech in between these jobs. What do I want to do next? And even the bad things that happen that you're like, oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened in my life. They still, you would not be where you are today if those things wouldn't have happened. If I wouldn't have had the certain heartbreaks that I had, if I wouldn't have lost jobs that I had, I wouldn't be where I was now. And I can't imagine like anything better. I, I love my life. So it, it does all work out. I think if you just trust the process and you keep going and stay positive and keep following your passions. Yeah. Now, obviously, from the time you were in college, you were thrust into the limelight. What that to me is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> like all eyes on me. I'm so uncomfortable in that position. And some people are just made for it. But did you ever feel that there was like a certain level of scrutiny or did you ever worry about being out there in such a public way? Or did, was that something maybe you didn't even experience? You're right. It's still a fear of mine. I still get nervous. Like I worked for the ERA as the Fox News sports reporter. And before every interview, I would get so nervous. And so it doesn't come naturally to me, but I loved it. So I had it was something I had to work really hard for to be good at. It didn't it doesn't come naturally to me. And so it has taken a lot of training and time and then the scrutiny. I know I'm gonna face it and I know I hear it, but I guess I just try to pay more attention to the positives in my life. I think I just try to surround myself with that. And so I know it's there, but I don't pay it attention. And I try not to worry about it because I don't know what it feels like. If you put yourself out there, you're always going to have criticism. And there's times where it's so easy to say, don't worry about other people's opinions. Other people's opinions don't matter. Just do what makes you happy. And that's true to a point. But I don't think people can, I think it's ingrained in us to care what other people think. And so you can let it 
like subdue you and slow you down, or you can use that criticism to fire you up for the passions you already have. And it's a it's an old saying, let your haters be your motivators. But anytime you hear the negativity, if you can, you know, take it and say, I'm going to let this fuel me to continue to chase my passions and um, continue to do what I enjoy. You know, it's not like you're trying to prove them wrong if it's if it doesn't feel true to you. But you can still use that. To, it's always worked for me. And Ty said it worked for him, too. When he was young, like on the racetrack, he's like 12. He said the guys on the racetrack would always say, who do you think you are? You think you're going to be some big time cowboy? And he said, and I remembered that. And he said, and it drove me to do better. So I feel like you can use even the negative opinions. You can still use them in a positive way. Yeah. I hear that time and time again, particularly on this podcast, because we talk a lot about people who have found a lot of success in what they're doing, but that it's inevitable that negativity comes along with it. And it's just, I guess it's been a lesson to me that's been reiterated time and time again, that it's what you do with those things. Because I think that they're like, even myself, I, when I face that or you hear criticism or negativity it's easy to let it paralyze you. Or it was for me. It's, it would stop me in my tracks because I would be so afraid to make the wrong move. And like you said, it, it's impo- it feels impossible not to care at least a little bit what people are saying, but it's how much power you give it. Yeah, that's what it feels like. If you know yourself deeply enough, you can give the validity to whose opinions are important. The opinions from people you care about, who believe in you and want to see you succeed or whose matter. And then the other ones, it can paralyze you and stop you. But also if you're like, if you're confident in yourself and you can find that and you're like, I'm doing a good job, I'm doing my best, I'm trying hard, you just let that help push you to continue going. Because when you, it's validation that you're on your pathway to success because you only get, you only get naysayers when you're doing something great. And it's more of a reflection of, their own insecurities and maybe they're not finding success. So it's hard for them to be happy for anyone else finding success. I think if you stay positive and then never return the negativity, just yeah. stay kind and, and positive and And then eventually your personality, if you're kind enough, I think it wins those people over in the end. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Now you mentioned it a little bit there, but how all these this, these different things that you went through in your life led you to tie. So I'd love to hear about how you guys met and, and everything. Oh, this is such a good story. <laughs> okay. So um, I was working for Ride TV and I was covering the junior rodeo and different events out there. And Ride TV was just getting started. And Ty was out there working. And like I knew of Ty, growing up, I guess just you, you hear that name and yeah, like my favorite movie was Eight Seconds, and so you just know about those guys. But I, it's not like I grew up watching him or anything because he's seventeen years older than me. One night I was at the contestant after party, and I saw Ty there, and he was leaving. And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Ride TV's trying to get going." I saw Ty was doing the commentating because we were doing the watch party at the casino, and I said, "This would be a great connection for Ride TV." And so I went up. I was like, "Hey, Ty, I'm." Paige, Paige Duke, I work for Ride TV, and I said, I would love to get you in contact with my boss. I did not want him to think I was hitting on him, so I just asked for his email. I didn't give him my number or anything. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know if he's married anything. I just saw him doing the commentating now. And so he left, 
And the next morning, okay, so we're out there with our team. The next morning, I get a call from my friend Carly Twistleman, and she's from California, rodeo girl, and she has blonde hair. And she said, Paige, she said, it was like eight in the morning in Las Vegas. She's Paige, I just got a call from Ty Murray, and I think he thinks I'm you, and he asked you to dinner, and I panicked, and I pretended I was you, and I said yes. (laughs) I was like, what? What is going on? And I was like, okay. I was like, let me see. I have his email. Let me shoot him an email and see if I can fill it out. So I, I sent Ty an email. I was like, hey, Ty, it was great to talk to you last night. I wanted him to know I was the girl he talked to. And I said, Carly said that you invited us for lunch and then, or and then dinner later. I said, I'd love to go. We'll see you then. And all he said was great. I was like, okay, did he mean to call Carly? Did he mean to call me? But Carly hadn't talked to him. And so I was like, I'm going to be a little bold over email. I was like, hey, I, I was like, again, I think you called the wrong girl this morning. I said, I'm the girl you talked to last night, not Carly. And so if, if I'm the girl you meant to talk to, I'd love to go to dinner with you. And he wrote back and said, awesome, I'll pick you up at 9.05. And I was like, what? And now knowing time out, he's never let him see you sweat. He says, don't let him see you lose your cool. So we show up. For lunch first to talk about Ride TV stuff with Carly, you know, and I, I could tell that he realized it was me then, but he still never addressed it. And I was like, are we all still invited for dinner? He's like, we say. I was like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he picked me up and we went to dinner and we just had the best time. A conversation flowed so great. And I still didn't think much more of it. He was flying home the next day. He So this is a story of how he got Carly's information. He said he woke up that morning and he couldn't stop thinking about me. And he was like, who is this girl out I might never, ever see her again. I don't remember her name, but I know she works for Ride TV. And so he said, well, Ride TV, the president at the time had emailed Ty about a year prior. And Ty never got back to him because he was going through a divorce and just a lot on his plate. So he said he looked in his email and my boss's email came up and he called him. He said, hey, Craig, you have this girl that works for you. I met her last night and I was wondering if I could get her number. And he's what color hair does he have? She have and Ty said, well, blonde. And Craig said, that's Carly. So that's how he got Carly's number. Oh. And we just laughed about that. He said, I think the trick to getting a girl to go on a date with you is to ask their friend out. He was supposed to fly home that next day after we had dinner. And his flight, he called me. He said, I've been sitting on the plane. The runway for five hours. Our flight's canceled. Would you like to go to dinner again? And I was like, sure. We went out again. And he ended up canceling his flight again the next day and just stayed oh. the rest of the NFR and as soon as I came home, he invited me out to the ranch, and we've just been inseparable ever since we met. And so it's, it's just like the sweetest story. <laughs> that is the sweetest. That's like a Hallmark movie. I think we need to option this for it to be made into a feature film because that's just like my favorite confused. I, I love how he played it cool. You must have just been like, what is going yeah, on? I was so confused. I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope he didn't mean to call Carly. I would be so embarrassed if he did. But yeah, it is a Hallmark movie, but I had a lot to deal with too, because he didn't know if he ever wanted to get married again or have children. So I'm dating someone and I knew I wanted to. So we had to get through all that. And yeah. now look where we are. So sure enough, he changed his mind. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole other level to this. So you guys fall in love and you've gotten married, but you weren't a part of his world back when he was rodeoing. By the time that you guys met and everything, he was no longer rodeoing. So that that almost had to feel like a whole other lifetime for him. <laughs> yeah, he says that. He said that feels like a whole other lifetime to me when I look back on that now. 
Yeah. And so you're welcomed into the fold and then you have to take like Ty Murray 101 to, to, to learn about it all and his career. But what a cool way for you to get to see you're meeting and seeing a totally different Ty than I'm sure he was back when he was rodeoing. Yeah. And he's, his mom said he's always been the same Ty. He's always the same person. But it's been fun. It would have been weird if I had known all this about him because it would have been like everything he tells me, I'm like, I already know. So it, was, it worked <laughs> out great that I did get to learn about his life the same way he was learning about mine. And his mom and dad live on the ranch. And so I just, it's been just so much fun getting to know each other and all that through this time. And I love seeing his hobbies and his passions now. And he's still so involved in the Western world and rodeo world and the PBR. And he tells me, sometimes I'm like, I wish I would have known you. I wish we would have been the same age. But like you said earlier, it all leads to the path you are now. He said, Paige, you wouldn't have liked me. I was not a good boyfriend back then. He said, I, I didn't grow up till I was in my mid-40s. And I just think I have the best man he could ever be. And him going through his divorce and everything, it for him to get remarried again, he had to be 100% sure because he wasn't going to do that again. He wasn't going to go through that again. And so I think he learned so much about he, what he wants in a relationship. So I, I feel lucky in that point that we didn't meet. And then he's, oh, I want this. I want this. This isn't working for me. He already knew what he wanted. And so I'm just getting a very mature person that has so much experience in life. And he just brings his best to the table. And he's the most wonderful husband I could ever imagine. He treats me so such a princess. I feel like we didn't have to go through a lot of that learning curve that a lot of newly uh, married young couples maybe have to and we were both at a season in our life honestly I can't imagine watching him ride bulls what having a child a family with him I can't that would be so scary to me and then being gone on the road all the time I, that'd be hard for me and so I think what's really cool about the both of us I'm an old soul a bit and he's young at heart but we're both in a spot in our life we were ready for that season he accomplished everything he wanted to. He he won his seventh all-around title and retired from riding when he was 32. And then I got to do every job I could have ever imagined I wanted to do. So many cool opportunities in my life that when we met and married and had a family, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I feel like I can be the best mom and wife now. And I've already accomplished so much in my career. And sure, there's more fun things to chase and do, but I don't feel like I missed out on any part of my life where my mom married young and my grandmother, and they both tell me, I wish I would have experienced some life like you did. Mom's like, I got married when I was right out of college. I wish I would have, I wanted to be an air, a stewardess on an airline, and she never got to do that. So I feel like I got to accomplish my dreams. I feel like he did too, and then we were ready for our next season of life together. Yeah. I think there's so much to be said, not only in relationships, but everything in life that Timing is everything. It's all about either meeting the right person when the time is right or, you know, the right job when it's right and you're able to appreciate it and enjoy it and see it for the opportunity that it is. Yeah, I feel that too. And sometimes it's not that you're, even for people dating now, it's not that you're not with the right person. Sometimes it's just not the right time in your life. And so I feel like so much has to come together <laughs> at the right time when you do decide to make a big decision like getting married or having a child or something that the more that you can have an order and it be a right time in your life, the smoother it's going to be. And so 
you just it, ma- it just makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. I also feel like everything that you experienced, not only did you get to have those experience and do so many of the things that you wanted to do, so you were prepared for this great person when they come along, but it also seems like it uniquely prepared you to enter into Ty's life specifically because he is so well known in the rodeo community. I, a person like me, I would have been a deer in headlights if you're thrust into that spotlight because like we were saying before, just everybody knows Ty Murray. (laughs) I can remember, and this is so funny, I grew up in Arizona and he, I believe he was born in Phoenix. Yes. Right? Uh Yeah. So I just remember my dad always telling me anytime we'd go down to Phoenix, we lived a couple hours from there and we'd pass through for junior rodeos and stuff. And my dad would always be like, home of Ty Murray. It was like, (laughs) you were just like proud of that. Because like when I was little bitty. He was the first like truly recognizable name. He was what I associated with this amazing idea of a cowboy. And every person, because I junior-rodeoed from the time I was really young, but just everybody knew who he was. He was the idol to every little kid rodeoing at the time. And so I just think that when you are of that level of notoriety, of fame, it takes the right person to be able to meet that and not be intimidated by it. Yeah, I I agree with that too. And I think my experiences in my career helped prepare me for all this and to attend all the events he's a part of and the spotlight that he's in and how to handle that. I feel like I was just prepared in my 20s for that. And uh, yeah, it it would have been weird meeting him if I'd have grown up like a big fan. It, it would have been weird. <laughs> but I've just, I've always romanticized the Western rodeo cowboy way of life. And I just love it. I knew I wanted to marry someone that lived that life and loved it as well so that we could share it together. I can't imagine living in a city with someone. or And so I... I've always been attracted to cowboys just because of the life they live. And I knew I wanted that life. I wanted animals everywhere and land. And it's just such a romanticized way of life, especially coming from South Carolina. (laughs) And I'm so proud to be his wife and all he's accomplished. And it's just amazing to find out about. He's such a humble, but the most confident person at the same time that I've ever met. (laughs) And, you know, he's never, he never brags on himself. He never talks about himself like that, but he's also so confident. And it's been, it's just been, it's been easy, even with all his notoriety and fame to be with him. Yeah. What you were saying there that I really relate to, I don't think growing up, I ever thought like, I have to marry a cowboy. That was never, I, I never had my sights set on that. But when I look back on it, I just think, Of course I did. And it wasn't necessarily the rodeoing or it having to be a cowboy, but I think the root of who they are is the values that they all kind of embody. When I hear you talk about Ty, it's all those things. It's like a certain amount of humility and their respect for people and their country. And it's all these things that to me now as a mom in particular – are so important to me and that I want to pass on to our kids is that I think, of course, I ended up with a cowboy. They're the perfect embodiment of all of those things that are so important to me. 
Yeah, that's how I feel the same way. All of my values he shares. And oh my gosh, that's so important, especially when you have a child with someone when you're dating and you don't think about it that much when you're young. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful <laughs> that I married Todd because we share the same values and it makes raising a child easy. But yet cowboys, they're wild and exciting, but they're loyal and honest. And his word is, is his bond. And he's so confident. And, and he's just like a man's man. And in, anything that needs to be done, like he's going to handle it. And I just love, I love all those qualities about him. He's a steward of the land. He loves animals. He's so compassionate towards animals and horses and just everything that I love. <laughs> and I knew that growing up, like I knew that from a young age. <laughs> Like Black Beauty and The Horse Whisperer and Eight Seconds. Those were all my favorite movies. And I just knew what I liked. (laughs) Everybody's got a type and I knew what I liked growing up. One of the other things that I know you're really passionate about, obviously, is cooking. And I, I see all the delicious things. But you're also really passionate about like your fitness. And I know you're running like marathons. My gosh, what don't you do at this point? But you really found a way to marry the two. And I'd love to talk a little bit about your passions in in that area. Yes. So with the cooking, um, I grew up just in the South. Like food is everything. Everything revolves around food is breakfast time. And we're like, what are we going to have for dinner? And it's, you know, I have so many good memories and it all involves food and family (laughs) gatherings and everything with my Nana and grandparents. I really like started liking to cook, though, when I was in college because I became passionate, more passionate about fitness and nutrition. I never really had to worry about it or thought about it in high school. But then I became a little more passionate about it after your sports are done and you start getting into fitness and how to stay in shape and how to feel that role that those sports played in your life. And then the nutrition, I was modeling and things. And I was like, I got to eat a little bit healthier. I can't be having fried squash and fried okra and, uh, you know, at every meal. And so I just became passionate about nutrition, but I still wanted it to taste delicious. So I didn't want to sacrifice the joy in food because that's a major part it plays. So I just tried to learn how to cook with more wholesome, nutritious ingredients. And then I, it's fun for me. So I, I hosted my cooking show, Southern Fried Skinny Fried. And made the uh, cookbook the same way where it's still flavorful, delicious, and reminiscent of my Southern upbringing, but it just uses more nourishing, wholesome ingredients. And then you feel better and you, know, you perform better. And then I really got into running right after Oakley's born because I love working out. I've just always enjoyed going to the gym, so I feel very thankful for that. It's not a chore, but I was like, how do I do this with a newborn? <laughs> like, I can't set her down. I can't make time. So I just put her in the jogging stroller, which is like the best baby shower gift I was given. And I'd push her up and down the ranch road, started running and entered a 5k and did better than I thought. And I was like, I have actually a little bit of natural talent. I'm like, this is fine. So I started running more and that became like addicting and ran my first marathon last year. And I do more half marathons. That marathon was a lot. It was a lot of training and time and because I, I don't want to do it just to do it. If I'm going to do something, I'm tired. I want to do it to my best ability. <laughs> so it took a lot of time. But I, yeah, I love running and fitness and staying in shape. And it's like a mental, it's a mental break for me too, that time. It's like active relaxation. So I feel like I'm doing something productive, but it's uh, relaxing for me. Yeah. You and Ty have the most adorable daughter. She is so cute. And she seems like the happiest little girl. And I know you are always talking about how she's a spitfire. 
But I'd love to talk about your experience of motherhood. Oh my gosh, it's been the most amazing but hardest job I've ever had. And but it's been the most fulfilling and I've never felt purpose like I do being her mama. Her name's Oakley and she's five. She is the most honoriest but sweetest, funniest little kid there could be. And she has big emotions. She's the happiest little girl ever. And you obviously you see that, but because you mentioned that she's just her happiness radiates and she just has this light inside of her, but she can get dipped down too and get so grouchy. Managing her emotions has been a challenge for me because I'm pretty like even keel, optimistic. I'm just like content. And so managing her emotions has been a little hard, but getting older, she's getting better with it. And she's, I don't, she's very already self-aware to be five. When she gets grouchy, she sees it's because I was hungry. <laughs> it's because I was tired. And so I'd really try to give her words so she can tell me what she's feeling so she doesn't get overwhelmed and frustrated. But it's just that that first year was the hardest year of my life. I, I breastfed her for that whole year. And so the lack of sleep and she I tried so hard to give her a passy and she would not take it. <laughs> so I was like her pacifier. And it was, oh, my gosh, I was just exhausted. I got stress halves for the first time in my life, <laughs> like twice with her when we're doing all that, traveling and everything with her. But, you know, what I'd say for like new moms is it does get easier. Still gets, it, I mean, it's still hard in different ways, but it does get easier and better. And you start fitting into your role more. Um, that first year, such an adjustment period. You know, I was that's what I wanted to do, be a mom and stay at home mom. And, you know, but still, when you give up your career and things slow down, your job, it's like, it's a little lonely and you feel like I took out of, a, I took the words, I'm just a stay at home mom out of my vocabulary. Because when moms say they're just like that, I just feel like that doesn't give a legitimacy to how tough of a being a, a stay-at-home mom is. And so I took that out. I'm like, I'm not going to refer myself as just a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to be proud of it. And because it is a job in itself, but it's still you, you mourn the life you have, but you are also would not change what you have for anything. And so it's hard to step into that role. It's such an adjustment period that first year, especially. And then you start getting with the flow and you start seeing their personality more and more. And it just, it's so fun. Every day's like a gift you get to unwrap a little bit of the present to see who they're becoming and it's just I I'm just can't imagine life any different I can't imagine life without her and so even though you may you may feel like am I wasting all my talents my skills everything that I've worked for now am I giving that up but it doesn't feel that way anymore that's it's like the season of life you're in and there's seasons for every part of your life and there's you can do it all but you can't do it all at the same time I've had to remind myself there's a time for everything. And now she's five and they say the days are or the nights are long, but the years are short. And it's so true. It does go by so fast when you look back. I can't believe she's already five. And I'm dreading the day she graduates and moves out. I'm like, can we give her a house on the ranch for her wedding present so she never leaves me? <laughs> oh, so it's just the wildest ride I could imagine. <laughs> but the most fulfilling and the most purposeful too. Yeah. So much of what you said there resonated with me. And I think not only me, but moms everywhere will, will share so many of those feelings that from 
the part where you say, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I also feel like, too, there's – I don't know if it's a pressure as a society, but when you're out and you talk to people and they're like, what do you do? There's almost a pressure, not necessarily that you don't feel fulfilled in your role as a mom, mm-hmm. but it, we almost have to like qualify it when we tell people like, oh, I'm just a mom. When we don't really feel that way, I love being a mom, but it's almost do these people expect me to be more interesting or be able to do it all? And that's not just who we are, but you saying that is enough and there is so much value and it is such a hard job and it's so rewarding and it's great just to feel like you can settle into that role and that can be a wonderful and fulfilling part of your life without having to do a hundred other things if you don't want to. Yeah. I really feel every year has gotten better. I feel so much more at peace with where I am just right now. And I'm just content with where I am right now. Sure, you have dreams that maybe you still want to accomplish and all, but you can just find some hobbies that you can do while still being a stay-at-home mom and things that still help with your creativity or however you like, whatever passions you enjoy, you can still fit those in. And then, and if you want to work too, that's great too. But for me, I just, I don't, that would be so hard for me to balance, I believe. And, and it is one way you can say you're a stay at home mom and you get from both sides of the fence. They, oh, you're so lucky you have the finances to be able to do that. Or it's, oh, you're just a stay at home mom. (laughs) Like, why do you not want to do anything else? Why are you not, why do you not want to work? And so it's, yeah, I miss the work and being around adults, but at the same, and the finance part of it, I've never really understood because like childcare is so expensive too. And so it's no matter what you do, (laughs) you're going to hear some type of feedback from it. And, but that's what makes me happy and fulfilled. And I know one day I won't ever have any regrets about how much time I spent with Oakley. I know I'll, I've, won't miss out on any part of her life. And that was the most important thing to me. So I think when you figure out your priorities and what's important to you and your mental being, like what keeps you happy and sane too, then you can adjust your schedule and figure out what works best for you. Yeah. There was something you just said there triggered a memory for me when I had my store and I was working a lot and had the kids and With Luke being gone because he was rodeoing so much at the time, I was the only parent around often. I wanted to be able to have my business because I loved it and I was passionate about it, but it always came second to my kids and I always wanted to be there for them. And I found that it actually having my business gave me a lot of flexibility. If they were in preschool, I could go to work for those hours and I was fortunate to have employees that I that had trusted and could do a great job so that when school was out, I could go be with them. And there's you have to make some hard decisions. And I know sometimes I would have kind of dual guilt, like guilt, that mom guilt that you're like, oh, I'm not there for every single second. Or then you have the business guilt where you're like, oh, I should be pouring more time and energy into my business. And I just had to stop and reflect and think there might be some things that you can do right now that would make you more successful in business. But I don't think that in 10 or 20, whatever, 15 years, I would ever look back and regret the day I didn't go to work. But I would regret the day I didn't spend to those kids. And when I started reminding myself that actively, when I was caught in those moments of like it feeling like a tough decision, that it was like it, it was no longer as tough for me because I knew that hands down was my where my priorities lay. They're so much more important and long lasting and are 
are just a more valuable part of my life than anything, any amount of money that I would ever make. And that made that decision a lot easier for me. Yeah. And that's how I feel too. And for my personality and maybe yours too, it's I don't really want to do something if I can't do it a hundred percent. The same with the marathon. It like about killed me. So it was like, I don't want to do another one because I pour so much in to do, to do well at something. So it's like, I have a hard time balancing things. So I, it, it would be hard for me to give what I can for a job and then give what I can for Oakley. And it's like, right now I'm, I'm a mom. That's my important job is raising her and being there for her. And uh, once they start school, more free time opens up and you can start pursuing more things that you enjoy and, and all the, the time will come. So it's not when you're first in the first few years, it feels like lonely and lonesome, but it goes quick. Yeah. I'm curious to know. So is Oakley more like you or is she more like Ty? She's so much like Ty and Ty's mama. <laughs> oh my gosh, she has no fear. She's so sassy. Mimi, Ty's mama. If you tell her not to do something, even at almost 80 years old, she's going to still do it. And Oakley, she if I tell her not to do something, I bet I know she's going to go try and she'll be so smart about it. I'll be like, don't touch that, Oakley. She said, Mama, aren't you glad I didn't touch it like this? And she'll touch. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, how does this child have this logic and this reasoning already? Oh my gosh, she's just, yeah, she, Ty said, she's a carbon copy of me. <laughs> is, oh my gosh. And she's got so much energy and gusto and um, she's so competitive. And so, yeah, she's a lot like Ty. She's built like him, <laughs> acts like him. <laughs> I know you're also a stepmom because Ty has a son. You seem to really love that role as well. And I'd love to talk about that. Yes, thank you. And that's a, like with the mom, becoming a stepmom is such a hard role too. And there's so many things that you have to figure out and adjust to. And Case is such a wonderful kid. My stepson, he's 12 now. And he's he's so easy to be a, a stepmom to. He listens and he wants to please and he wants to do right. And he's he's just an easygoing, kind kid who doesn't want to cause any trouble i'm like oh my gosh if i was a stepmom to oakley i'd be like this is so hard i'd like i can't do it and so he wants it really easy i just feel so thankful for his personality and stepmom it's hard figuring out your role and so i just i've just always just tried to love him and be more of a friend to him and let ty be more of the parents because of course i'll help him and step in and but I really just try to be more of a friend to Case. And I've never asked him to call me mom. He will sometimes. When Ugly does it, he'll say it. But it's I've never tried to fill the role of being his mom because that's Jewel, his mom's special place. And I've never wanted to step on any toes or anything like that. So I'm more of a friend, like a, a fun older, or I don't even know, an aunt. I don't even know how you describe yeah. it. <laughs> I, would, I was going to say aunt, too. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> of course, I help guide him and... Things like that, but he does make it easy to be a stepmom too. And it helped me, I'm sure, becoming a mom because I already had that experience. I met Case when he was three. And so oh, he wow. doesn't know life without me. And and so it, it really helped me, you know, prepare me a little bit to be a mom. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was so young when you mm-hmm. became a part of his life through Ty. Yeah. Time goes so fast. It really does. I'm thankful Oakley has a brother because I don't know yeah. if I'll hurt any more kids. Probably not. I'm so thankful that she has Case in her life and it just all worked out. So just how it should. 
Yeah. I love when you share the pictures of the two of them together because he seems to be such a sweet big brother. And it's so cute to see the way that they interact and love each other. Yes, I know. They're sweet together. And um, it's the same. They say the first child's always supposed to be easy. Ty got the first child. So I thought, maybe I'll get the look of the first child too. And no, it came up Ty's second <laughs> child. And she's the wild... <laughs> rambunctious little ottery thing and so it's they're so opposite they're so opposite but they're easy and challenging in their own ways we have to encourage him to try new things he's very safe and cautious don't worry about him in that but we have to encourage him to step out and do new things oakley we have to reel her in and it's i'm just always scared for her life because she's so not cautious <laughs> But they're so they're hard in their own ways. <laughs> yeah. Everything about what you said has been my experience with motherhood as well. Because Cade, our oldest, just from the minute he was born, people give me compliments about him and oh, he's so kind. I'm like, I, I don't even I can't even take credit. He just <laughs> he's been that way since he was five minutes old. He's just like you said, he's safe, he's responsible, he's honest, he's just so easy. And I think that it's God's way of tricking you into having more kids because then I had Jameson and I just was shell-shocked for the first three years. I'm like, well, I don't even know what to do with this wild child jumping off of furniture. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened here? I thought like I had broken him or something because he was so different from Kate. And now I just love and cherish their different parts of their personalities and what they bring out in me because they're so different and they're so unique and wonderful in their own special ways. But it was definitely a bit of a shock to me <laughs> that they were not all. And now actually I have to say Jameson's probably my easiest kid. He got all of his wildness out of the, out of the way when he was young and now he's just so easygoing. Oh, that's fun. Before I became a parent, I'm like saying... This is more nurture, nurture, give oh, the yeah. holding wild child. And now when I'm having, like, they are born that way. They come out that way. And it's reassuring for me, too. I'm like, wow, I was born this way. This is who I am. It's like something you don't even learn. You just come out the way you are. And I swear they both were born just how they still are. It's true. You mentioning nature versus nurture. Because I thought about that all the time. And it's so many, there's so many funny things that once you become a mom, you're like, oh, I should go back and apologize to like several people in my life for being like unintentionally judgmental about their mothering skills because I am now getting a taste of my own medicine. Yeah, my poor sister. <laughs> I know uh, she had kids before me and I'm like, oh, sorry, man. <laughs> she <laughs> shakes her head and laughs and ties me and I had all the answers before I became a parent. Oh, isn't it true? Isn't yeah, it true? So do you think that Oakley will want to follow in dad's footsteps since she's a wild child and do the rodeo thing? We try to expose them both to everything. I think I think that's the best way. We we don't push anything on them. I, Ty and I both are really big on wanting them to find their passion, whatever it may be. And so we exposed them to everything. And right now, I don't know what Oakley's going to love to do. She loves horses and riding, but she loves gymnastics and dancing. Now it's cowboy cheerleader she wants to be already. And she loves soccer and whatever she does, I think it's going to have to be something kind of extreme and, and competitive. I don't know what she'll like doing, but right now it's everything. I'm running around to practices all week, and but it's fun. I love seeing her develop and grow her skills and passions and then case he's not interested in rodeo i think his safe cautious 
demeanor, but he's very musically gifted like his mom. And wow. he loves writing stories. He's, a, he's an intellectual and into science and he plays the drums some. So I think that'll be the path he takes, but it'll be fun to see what Oakley does. Whatever it is, it's going to be pretty extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to hear, since you became a part of Ty's life post-rodeo career, are there qualities that you still see in him that he applies to other areas of his life that you think are the same qualities that made him so successful as a competitor? Yes. Yes. So he is a perfectionist, which he says is his his biggest strength, but also a big weakness. He wants to do everything perfect. He rides dirt bikes now. That's a big passion of his. And then horsemanship. He started his horsemanship journey, I believe, when he was 20. And he's still learning and I still buy him books for it. He's still, every day he's trying to learn more and more about horsemanship. He gets very focused on the things that he loves and thinks about all the time. And gosh, his dirt bike skills, he's just amazing now. You, you can't keep up with him, the people that ride with him. And so I, yeah, I think, I think those qualities about him being so laser focused and a perfectionist and competitive. And wanting to be the best, whatever he does, and then his confidence. He knows he's good. He's so humble. It's a cool dynamic. He doesn't talk about it or brag about it, but he believes in himself. And anything he does, he knows he's going to do it and he's going to try to be the best at it. I think that confidence, too, that allowed him to, to do so well in the rodeo arena and he just believed in himself had that drive and that goal, and he's going to do whatever it takes to accomplish it. And so he still does that now. And what's hard for him now is like trying to find balance, he always says, with his life of being the best husband, father, doing horsemanship, and just all the, a rancher, being a rancher and taking care of our ranch here. It's hard for him to find balance because rodeo, like that was all he thought about for (laughs) the first part of his life. That was everything to him. So he's had to learn how to balance things a bit more, but he's on a dirt bike trip now and just loves it. And he's so thankful he found that. So found another extreme like adrenaline type sport to <laughs> yeah. be a part of still. <laughs> yes. And then his horsemanship, he's just the best. And yeah, when he's passionate about something, he just loves to do it. And he goes and he'll put on clinics for free for people, help people that really want it, that want to learn how to be better with their horses. He'll do it all for free. And it's just so inspiring. And I have so much respect for him and all that he does. And it's just a, he's a, he's such a neat person. Yeah. He really seems like it. Yeah. Now at the, towards the end of every episode, we do two things usually here. So one of them is that I will ask you a question that's been left by a previous guest. So somebody that was on the show before has left a question for a future guest. I just pulled them out of my little note card pocket. Are you ready for yours? I'm ready. Okay. I think this one's really fun. Is there anything about your significant other that people would be surprised to learn? Oh, goodness. Surprised to learn about Ty. Uh, This might be harder for you than most people because I feel like so many of us know everything about (laughs) Ty. (laughs) No, maybe he's a bull rider, rode Bronx and barebacks, like three most dangerous things. He's fearless. So you think he's not scared of anything. But honestly, the thought of his children doing any of that scares him to death. And so he doesn't want, he made Case promise him that he wouldn't ride bulls. 
one day. Yeah, when he was little. Now we know that's not Casey's thing. Right. One day he said, I want you to promise me you won't ever do drugs and you won't ride bulls. And at first I was like, I wonder why would you not want him to do something that gave you so much? And he's, Paige, when you're, when you've been in my shoes and seen how many friends of mine have died or been paralyzed or gotten hurt, he said, you see it different. He said, and even with horses, he's so cautious. You'll see him do the lead line with Oakley or she's always riding with him. He's so cautious. He said, I've seen 80 year old cowboys have been around their whole life, get kicked and and get paralyzed, brain injury or get paralyzed. And he said, it's different for me. My perspective now being older of how much I've seen, I think people would be surprised of that fear he has for his children when those extreme sports or bull riding or something. Yeah. I am surprised. I am adequately surprised by that. So great answer. That really does surprise me. And I think you might have one too. So I maybe it's only fair. This was not part of the question, but maybe you could tell us something people would be surprised to hear about you. Let's say how surprised about me. I feel like I'm an open book and I try to be authentic and genuine. This is a cool fact about me. My great uncle, he's my grandfather's identical twin brother. He was the 10th and youngest man to walk on the moon. So his name's Charlie Duke, and he was on Apollo 16. And he jokes that he's 87 now, and he says, I'm still the youngest man to ever walk on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's such a good page fact. And then the last thing we do, and this might be a little bit different for you since you weren't around them, but do you have a favorite rodeo memory either from working at them or being around them or a story that ties told you that you could tell us oh my gosh he has so many good stories i told him the other day i said i want you to start telling me your stories i'm gonna write them down and i think i need to do a book i'm like please it like got a little western or something because oh my gosh these stories are so funny eight-year-old me needs that book so bad please one of my favorite stories or things i've been a part of with rodeo was last year ty was honored at the nfr the vegas icon awards with charmaine james and trevor brazil and their names hung from the rafters and the thomas and mac to forever be immortalized there hanging from the rafters and so that was a really cool thing to be a part of for me because a lot of a lot of hall of fames and stuff came even before I met him too. So that was neat to be a part of. And I'm trying to think of a good tie story of him rodeo. He was in Canada going to a rodeo and he was late. I forgot how all this went down, but it was a big deal. He was going like a hundred miles an hour, got pulled over by the cops. Just, he went as fast as he could, wheeled him over. The cop followed, pulled him over and finally got him, stopped. And Ty said he knew who Ty was. And he's like, I'm going this rodeo. And Ty's like, well, get in. The cops said, get in. I'll escort you to the rodeo. So he's escorted to the rodeo by the cop. And he's like, but I still got to take you to jail. And Ty said, well, what's bail? And he's like, it'll be $500. Ty said, will you take me to the hotel? And so the cop took him to the hotel. And Ty went around collecting fund money from all the cowboys and his friends to bail him out of jail. And he handed the cop $500 and did not have to go to jail. That's so good. I, most people only get their Miranda rights before they're taken to jail. Ty got taken to the rodeo, to the hotel to collect his money preemptively, and then to jail. That's amazing. Oh, I got one more funny one if we have time. But it's a good one. <laughs> I'll stay here all day. Okay. Ty has a crazy, you know, Uncle Chet that they live in New Mexico, and he likes to bulldog coyotes off a snowmobile. <laughs> so Ty was out there. He said, you want to bulldog a coyote? And Ty was like, sure. Or, okay, so don't. Bulldog and elk. The coyote was a different story. 
Oh, <laughs> they did that too. They saw an elk while they were on snowmobiles or something. And Ty said, well, I want to go ride her. So we, you know, went up there and got her down bulldog belt, then jumped on her and she got up and hopped around where there were some people taking pictures. Well, I guess those people a year later, they got in trouble for tax, you know, something, something with taxes. And so they were being searched by the FBI. Well, they, or somebody, um, they found the pictures of Ty riding the elk. And so Ty's at an autograph session and he's got a line, you know, a mile long and people are coming through their sign and stuff. Well, this man sits down a magazine and Ty went to sign it. He said, I don't need your autograph. There's something in there for you. So he left and Ty finished signing autographs, took it home and opened it. Well, it was a um, from the Colorado Fishing Game citation for in possession of a, a cow elk and harassing wildlife. And so he had he had these fines, and he called him up. He said, um, her, "He said possession of a cow elk." He said, "I, you know, I didn't, I don't believe I did that one, but harassment, okay, I'll, you know, I'd like to donate my a thousand dollar fine to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation." Well, he did. So the funny part, you know, the PBR they get sued every now and then by something. So they were in, they got sued for something, and Ty had to go to a deposition. They were questioning him, and they try to get any dirt they can on you. You know, the lawyers that are questioning him. So they said, Ty Murray, have you ever been in trouble with the Colorado fishing game? And he said, yeah. And, uh, and he said, well, what for? And Ty said, I bulldogged an elk. And the lawyer said, you did what? And I said, well, uh, have you ever been to a rodeo? And the guy said, yeah. He said, well, do you know, bulldogging where you jump off your horse and, you know, get the cow, get steer down or whatever. And he said, I did that to an elk. <laughs> and the, the lawyer and there was a stenographer in there typing everything, you know, out. And the lawyer said, well, Mr. Murray, you sound proud of that. He said, well, you're GD, right? I'm proud of that. How many people do you know bulldog the nail? And he said that stenographer, like, went <laughs> and just could not hold it or laugh, trying to type this out. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tying his confidence. So that's a yeah. story. <laughs> when Luke hears this episode, he's going to be so jealous. I'm going to have to. You, next thing you know, we're going to be in New Mexico on snowmobiles. I'm going to oh be hazing gosh. for him or something. Don't you do just, it. Don't do it. <laughs> Unless you have like an elk tag. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> A tag to bulldog. I have a picture of that. I will text it to you. Please do. Please do. That will come out with this episode. He's already gotten in trouble for it. So no one come after him. He's already paid his fine. <laughs> Fines have been paid, and now we yeah. can just enjoy the story. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Paige, I've just enjoyed every minute of this, and you lived up to everything that I've always thought that you were. And I just thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lindsay. You too. It's been so much fun, and I'm so excited you wanted me as a guest on. And I just I had so much fun talking to you. Well, that was fun. Now, if you're anything like me and just can't get enough of these behind-the-scenes stories from our inspiring guests, then my website is the perfect place to dig even deeper into the world of rodeo. Visit the link in the show notes for even more Companion Pass content.